0: Welcome to Positive Talk with Kevin McDonald. Hey, that's me. Hi, and welcome to Positive Talk. Our show features the best positive stories and people from around the globe as we endeavor to answer the universal question of why am I here and what is my purpose? Understanding that can change everything. And knowing your greatness is fundamental to living your best life. So join us right now as together we work to create the adventure of our lifetime. Sometimes the adventure of our lifetime is finding out how to live properly and with good etiquette and, and not to uh, blow up your whole world. But before I go there and before I introduce Christy, I've got to mention this, and that is um, this is an announcement, an announcement, a really big announcement, and that is that uh, as of um, as of January 8th at 5 p.m., we will be uh, premiering Positive Talk on the Brushwood Media Network, uh, and that is a syndicated network that is all over the world and features some really cool shows, and we are glad to be part of that, and that's, that's just something that we're just adding to our little repertoire of stuff that we do, and so we're doing the podcast, we're doing the radio, we're doing you know the the tv we're doing youtube and all that kind of good stuff and um and the whole idea is to get the word out about people that are doing some incredible things and who have incredible things to share with us and this is no exception christy spencer is our guest she's got the polite company and uh, christy how are you
1: i'm doing great and congratulations on your big announcement new year new things happening
0: Exactly. How did that opening sound? Could you hear it okay?
1: I could hear it perfectly. It was very good. It it has a great message.
0: That's the whole idea is is to get people to understand that, number one, they were born great. And that they don't have to do anything to become great because that's what they already are. We just don't recognize it. And so it takes time and effort to figure it out for ourselves that we really are... Um, a, a great uh, individual. There's nobody else. There are 8 billion of us on the planet, and there are no other Chris, Christy Spencers. I can tell you that right
1: now. That is probably a good thing. But um, <laughs> there are a couple of etiquette nerds out there like I am, but there's not very many. And some of us decided a little bit later in life that we were going to you know, live our truth and embrace our inner nerd and um, makes us makes us happy people.
0: I love that. I'm embracing my inner nerdness.
1: <laughs> <I am. laughs>
0: because well, but what you do is very, very important especially today because as we've started to have dinner on TV trays in front of the TV, we don't get around and we don't get socialized as much as we used to. We're on social media, but that's hardly being social. And so a lot of times we don't have the etiquette that we could have if we wanted to live the life that that would be that we would be proud of in any social situation. And that's that's what you teach people is how to do things in a social situation that really makes sense. And you t- took the time and I really appreciate it. You took the time to write a few things down for me so that we could talk about etiquette and as it applies to certain um, times of the year and uh, we're going to talk about New Year's Eve etiquette a little bit but that could be at a birthday party that could be for you know uh, uh, um, Valentine's Day or or any of the holidays where you're getting together with other people it really is important that you have etiquette and understand so that you can you don't embarrass yourself In front of your significant other. I've done that before. That's not a very good idea.
1: It's not necessarily making a perfect first impression. It's not? No, it's about it just being social and being in interactions, so anytime you're with somebody socially, that's when we have to think about etiquette. So we have to think about etiquette is when two people are together, so if you're by yourself, etiquette does not apply. You can sit on the couch, you know take that bowl uh. Cheetos or whatever, eat it, and you don't have to worry about it at all. But it's when you're with other people. And we're so often with other people, even when we're not thinking about it. So we need our etiquette when we're going through the drive through when we're driving on the highway, and you don't necessarily need the calendar to switch to a new year to decide that you're going to up your social interactions a little bit.
0: I couldn't agree more. Now, can you hear me? I, I seem to be a little discombobulated, a little bit. And do I seem to be that way?
1: Your audio is way behind your picture.
0: Uh, that's what I was afraid of. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm going to close out a few things, and and perhaps that will, uh, um, maybe, maybe that will straighten me out. I I, I need to be straightened out. You know.
1: <laughs> well, it just it just started happening there.
0: It, and oh, I, I closed out, there's a kid, sometimes my computer, it, it gets overloaded with stuff. And now I seem my, yeah. <laughs> my movement seem to have caught up to my voice now.
1: Yes, yes, perfect.
0: Oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. So by the way, and I had to close out your website in order to get that done. So give us your website so that people can find you.
1: That's just fine. It's thepolitecompany.com.
0: Well, that's easy. Even I yes. can do
1: that. Yes, like, you know, part of finding a great name for a company is making sure that the domain is available. So that was a big consideration. But honestly, when I when I came up with the polite company, it just fit because we're not talking about. Well, first of all, etiquette's really hard to spell, so you don't want that to be part of
2: your name. I know. <laughs>
1: If I had a dollar for every time that I had misspelled that but so I really just think being polite and the, I picked the word company because I do work with businesses and that's my preferred um, clientele. So that's how I came up with that name and the um, domain was was available. So it's the politecompany.com.
0: That's just perfect because I will tell you having been in management for a long time and all, been on both sides of the desk, I've been the interviewee and the interviewer. And being the interviewee, you are judged by everything that you do from the moment you walk into a uh, office to the moment you leave. And they are really looking for telltale signs of your uncouthness (laughs) or, or or lack of understanding.
1: Or they're looking for telltale signs that you have had some etiquette training. And so there, there's kind of both sides of that coin. So there are some things that you can do that really let people know that you've had a little bit of etiquette training or you've been keeping up on it. And even if you just do – you watch social media accounts, that is a great way to learn etiquette. Explain. So we had – So I'm on uh, Instagram every day giving tips and there's a lot of people who are going on and they're telling you the right way to do this or the wrong way to do that. Even the way that you hold a wine glass at a party will be a giveaway as to whether you've had etiquette training or maybe you haven't had etiquette training. And so it's very accessible now that we are in a virtual world to get that training, but then it's also a lot on social media. The only part is you have to figure out who knows what they're talking about and who's just making stuff up. So I, I encourage people to go with somebody who's reputable. So of course Emily Post is a is a great resource. Um Ms. Manners is a tried and true resource. But be careful that you're, A, If depending on where you live, that you're learning the correct etiquette for where you live. Because French etiquette and European etiquette can be very different than what we're doing in America. And that you're learning from somebody who actually knows what they're talking about and they're not just making things up.
0: You, you brought up the wine glass. And uh, I wanted to, I'm, I'm having problems again, apparently. Um, but you can hear me. Am I, am I, I real-time yeah. audio-wise?
1: Yes, you are.
0: Okay, good. Um, I, I went to a Christmas party with my wife at, my, at uh, my boss's house. They had a white carpet. She had a glass of wine in her hand and was just standing there minding her own business. And the wine glass just slipped out of her hand <coughs> and broke on the floor. What could she, and, and it, that, that became kind of a big deal. What could she have done differently? How she should, should she have been holding her wine glass?
1: So when you are holding a wine glass, you want to hold it by the stem, <laughs> and you don't necessarily want to hold it by the bowl. Um, that gets your fingerprints all over the bowl. So you want to hold it by the stem as opposed to by the bowl. So but that actually can be kind of tricky, too, because that can get you a little off balance. So any good host is going to know that these things are bound to happen. If you're serving red wine, you are very likely to have somebody spill that on the carpet. So having some sort of Cleaner available, some sort of backup plan is really important for that. So I think when things like that happen to us as a guest or as a host, that is our time to be able to shine because you know it's easy when everything goes well, but when thing the unexpected happens, that's when we can really show our grace.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we are Christy, we are having technical difficulties. I think and, you're, and you're so is your video that. looping? I don't know what it's doing. It's 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 it really is it really is quite weird. So tell you what, because this is a podcast, we can redo this. So let me go ahead and restart my computer and then come back okay uh to StreamYard. Is that okay? Do you want
1: me to exit out or just hold on?
0: Uh, you can go ahead and why don't you go ahead and exit out and then come back in like three or four minutes because this is just going to drive me nuts. Okay. It's, this that's, is not normal.
1: That's fine. We'll figure it out.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Hold on just a second and I'll, and I'll be right back. If you are tuning in right now, we're having technical difficulties and so I'm going to try and fix it. So we're so come back in five minutes, whoever you are, and we'll, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. So stay tuned for more. That is so weird. I'm back. I'm back. Can you hear me now?
1: I can hear you just fine.
0: I can. I'm, Hey, I'm moving.
1: You're moving and your lips are moving at the same time. It's all good.
0: I could be a ventriloquist.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was just like the loop video was just looping or.
0: That was, that was really so Yeah. So anyway, anyway, so we, we will wipe that part out and, and, uh, and let's see if if I can do this again, and we'll and we'll just start again, okay?
1: Okay, sounds good.
0: This this is media for you. This is just what happened.
1: I know. Oh, I, trust me.
0: <laughs> well, your etiquette is perfect. So thank you. yes,
1: yes. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm used to live TV, and so there were lots of mistakes.
0: Ah, perfect. Well, you're welcome <laughs> to my world. Um, okay, we'll be right back. Welcome to Positive Talk with Kevin McDonald. Hey, that's me. Hi, and welcome to Positive Talk. Our show features the best positive stories and people from around the globe as we endeavor to answer the universal question of, why am I here and what is my purpose? Understanding that can change everything. And knowing your greatness is fundamental to living your best life. So join us right now as together we work to create the adventure of our lifetime of adventures of our lifetime we just had a a a huge adventure and uh i'm glad uh we're back and uh and by the way as if, <laughs> i suppose i shouldn't even mention that because if you didn't see this at the in live you wouldn't even know that we were just back so you know what do you do um but in any event um my name is kevin mcdonald and i did want to mention that uh starting on on january 8th um uh, brushwood media network and i have uh, reached a, a agreement and uh, we will be bringing positive talk there um so go to brushwood media or brushwood media network and find out all the information about that but christy spencer is with us she has a company called the polite company she's an etiquette coach and she helps people do all that and and we got to start at the beginning again um, Christy, so I I think I'm I seem to be okay now.
1: Yes, yes. I we just had our own little um, red wine on the white carpet moment where things did, <laughs> did. not go as planned. So we can tell we fill people back in on that story.
0: Yes, yes indeed. Well, you know, and we started off with, and I think this is really, really, really good advice, because uh, I went to a Christmas party uh, for my work, and the district manager was there all the other general managers were there and their wives and and my wife was standing there with a glass of wine in her hand and suddenly just out of nowhere the glass just fell out of her hand um and fell on the floor she had no idea how that could have happened but it just kind of happened and that's the first thing that you mentioned is how to hold the glass of wine if you are in a cocktail setting with a bunch of folks and she obviously did it wrong. So could you explain to our audience how to do it correctly?
1: Okay, so in our little break, because I am an etiquette teacher, I have a glass of, uh, not, I don't have it full of wine, but I do have a wine glass here. Um, I just have to reach for it. So um, as you might imagine, so I did, I've got to have glass here. So if this was a wine glass, we'd be holding it by the stem as opposed to holding it around the bowl. So that keeps your wine from uh, changing temperature and it keeps you from getting fingerprints all over the bowl. Now, is this important? Not really, because the important thing is, is that you hold it in a way that you're able to manage it. And your wife could have been doing everything correctly, but mistakes happen. And that's really when we get to practice that etiquette is in how we handle social situations, and dilemmas, and actually are able to build relationships and show our grace and positivity at the same time. So when everything's going well, and we're not stretched at all, it's easy to be kind and to have good manners. But when things go wrong, that's when it really shows if you have good etiquette or not.
0: How should I have handled that? Because I think I handled it poorly because it was the the wife of the regional manager was standing there. and She was trying to make it seem OK. And it was like, how could you be so stupid uh, to drop a glass of wine? And, and And she was like, I don't know what happened. Uh, It's like, so how should I have handled that?
1: Yeah, I would backpedal that, Kevin. I think um, when (laughs) mistakes happen, um, I tell people, admit it, apologize, and move on because mistakes will happen. And when we dwell on them, it makes it even worse. So I think just her apologizing, the host having something ready to clean it up with, and you just move along and you know that. You know, in the big picture, if you're serving red wine and you have a white carpet, hopefully you've thought of a backup plan in case life happens.
0: Well, I suppose the first thing would be don't serve red wine on a white carpet.
1: Right. Yeah. So that's, you know, completely up to the host to do. But I think anybody who does that, anybody who has people in their home, they are doing that in a spirit of giving and sharing. Rather than testing other people's etiquette and those kinds of things, so I, I think a little bit of grace, and apology, and and moving on, and you know, there's just um, life happens.
0: That goes into the category, I suppose, of it just it just happens. What do you do? Right. Um, so, and then we were we were also I wanted to touch on you know the the work that you do because you work with individuals you work with companies you work with people that are in a professional setting on how to do things and and um a proper etiquette uh, in in those sorts of arenas uh, can you go through some of the things that you would talk about if somebody were to come to you and say christy i have got this interview you have no idea how important this is for me because if I, if I land this job, it's going to make my life so much easier and I'm going to have so much more fun and I'm scared to death that I'm going to blow it. How would you help them?
1: I think we would start out by I practice makes perfect. And so I tell people rehearse. Think about those questions that you get asked typically in an interview. Think about any questions that your resume might bring up, any things that you have to explain. So practice, practice, practice. That's the first thing. And then with any etiquette uh, tip that I give, the first thing is be on time. It does not matter if we're talking about social etiquette, wedding etiquette, or business etiquette. It all starts with being on time. So I think that that's the first thing you do. I tell people arrive in the parking lot 50 15 minutes ahead of your appointment and go into the lobby five minutes before your appointment. Some people think, you know, the earlier the better. That can throw off somebody's entire day if somebody shows up 30 minutes early. So you don't want to start your interview with an apology, whether that's you didn't dress appropriately, you didn't show up on time, you showed up too early. All of these factors go together to really make that killer first impression. And so that's what I I tell people to do. Be ready if you're in a virtual world. Maybe you're not going to be meeting them in person. Make sure that your camera looks professional. Your background is free of any clutter and dirty dishes or laundry on the bed, those kinds of things, because people will judge you by those things. And it's, it's not that they're testing necessarily, but if somebody doesn't know what to wear to an interview, your mind just instantly goes to what else might they not know, and that is not the impression that you want to make in those job interviews or in any social interaction.
0: Well, you know it's it's interesting that you, that you say that because one of my pet things has always been if you want this job and you can't be on time to the interview, what makes you think that I'm going to suspect that you can be on time for your job?
1: Yeah, it's a deal breaker for a lot of people, as as a lot of things can be in an interview. But I think this is that is, you know, the the bottom, the low hanging fruit here is be on time. So important. (laughs)
0: and it always kills me when somebody says well you know traffic was just bad well you know you should probably plan for that yeah you know uh, where you're going again i I get to use my ex-wife as a as a foil for this because my son went into the into the air force and they had a induction ceremony and then when he said i do they did and they took him away. I mean, and they don't—they're not fooling around because now he is their property. And so my ex-wife did not plan appropriately, and she didn't look at the traffic patterns ahead of time. And so she ended up walking in ten minutes after they walked him away, and she didn't see him for another until he got through basic uh, because of that. And and it just seems to me that that is some of the things that you. Should take a look at what is traffic like that time of day, going in the direction that you're going to. Uh, what? Uh, how long is it going to take you? And and then plan for what a half hour plus uh, to to make sure you get there.
1: Yeah, yeah. You just have to you have to know your route. You have to again, like you said, know the traffic, know what you're up against, and then visualize yourself there ahead of time. And the amount of relief that that gives you and how you're able to concentrate on what you're doing and enjoy where you are, opposed to kind of rushing in, feeling like you're unprepared, you know, again, starting with an apology or or something negative. Just think about how good does it feel when you're on time? And this is something I've really had to work on because I like to make every minute count. And so my husband and I are on the opposite ends when it, when we're going to an airport, he's happy to be there two and a half hours ahead of time where I'm like, you know, I 45 minutes, if I can possibly um, make that because I can squeeze in one more thing. Um, but it is, it's, it's visualizing yourself there on time and how good that feels, and how that relieves the pressure for you, I think is the important thing to think about. And then don't think about what time you have to be someplace. Think about what time you need to leave where you are presently to get there in time for those of us who do like to squeeze a lot into our day.
0: Well, and you know, um, I'm not a woman. I've never had to put makeup on. I've never had to go through all that rigmarole that they do to to gussy themselves up, especially for an interview. Do, 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 do you guys have a good sense for how long that takes or sometimes does it just take longer and so you need to prepare for that too?
1: I think it can, not you know, and sometimes you just gotta know when to just cut bait and,
0: and call it good. <laughs> this is as good as it's gonna get. <laughs> yeah.
1: And you have to think, here's, here's another thing about etiquette is so many times we have anxiety and we think that people are looking at us more than they actually are. And so when we do think those kinds of things, you know, cause I'll, I'll worry about, you know, what swimsuit I'm going to wear to the beach. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm 50 years old. No one's going to look at me no matter what I wear. So why worry about it? Um, I think that that is, you know, having that self-awareness that people really aren't, paying attention to you in a crowd as you probably think they might be. So go with it if it means being on time.
0: I suppose the only way to really get that solidified in your mind is to go spend a weekend at a nudist colony where nobody's wearing anything. Then you can't hide anything anyway. And so you get <laughs> used to that, I suppose. Yeah.
1: And your, your prep time is considerably less. <laughs>
0: That's right. You can't put makeup on an entirely fat body. It doesn't oh work. So, but, but that's, that's, so one of the things that you did for us, and uh, we're going to have to take a break here in just a second. But one of the things that you did for us is you put together a list of things that would be really good etiquette for a party but more specifically for like new year's eve or a formal event or something like that 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 you can plan for and stuff like that so we're going to talk about that when we come back we're talking with christy spencer she's got the polite company it's the polite is it not it is ThePoliteCompany.com, Christy Spencer, and she's going to tell us how to behave on New Year's Eve when we come back. And welcome back to Positive Talk with Kevin McDonald, and our guest today is Christy. Christy. (laughs) If I could speak, that would be good. Christy Spencer, and she's got The Polite Company. And one of the things that she uh, put together for us, and I want to thank you for doing that, is a list of things that, um, that you should do or not do uh, on New Year's Eve. And interesting ways of getting around some of the things that happen, like at midnight when Uncle Charlie... Who's had too much to drink, comes to you and says, come here, baby, let me give you a kiss, um, or something like that. So can you give us some, some tips around um, New Year's Eve?
1: So I think if you're invited to a New Year's Eve party, the most important thing that you can do is RSVP. And let somebody know that you plan on coming. And then the second thing you do is ask what you can contribute. And so sometimes that might be a dish. Sometimes they want you to think of a game that they could play. Um, any of those things are are helpful for a party. So we, we want to think about not arriving empty-handed. That's the number one guest no-no is to arrive without a host gift, a card, uh, a dish to contribute. So I think that's the first thing. The other thing that we want to think about is planning some activities. And I think especially for New Year's Eve, it's great to have the party start later because five hours together before it hits midnight is a long time. Um, If you're serving alcohol, think about that you're also serving snacks and that you have water available for people as well. I think that as a host again you want to have some activities you want to encourage people to stay till midnight but if you're a guest and you know that it's 10 o'clock lights out for you I would tell your host that upfront. Say we would love to come we won't be able to stay until midnight but we'll stay as long as as we can stay awake. So your host will not remember anything more than if you didn't partake in the activities, and you didn't kind of adhere to that timeline. So that's really important. I think when you're talking about somebody who goes in for that um, midnight kiss with somebody that they're not uh, very familiar with, first of all, COVID, um, things have changed. (laughs) Um, Not only that, but you know, I mean, like, there's just so many reasons not to go there. But one thing that you can do To prevent that from happening is when it goes to midnight, take your friend who does have a date and is planning on doing that kiss, take their phone and offer to take a picture of them. That way you're occupied, your hands are occupied, and you've got a little defense mechanism there to keep that person from coming in for the kiss or the hug. And if you do decide to kiss somebody, you can always say, can I give you a New Year's kiss? Giving that person an in to say yes, or I'd rather not, or offer their cheek. Those are kind of some things that we can do. So a lot of people are superstitious and they think it's bad luck um, and it's a bad omen for the year, if you don't have that interaction at midnight, but let's just you know think about all the reasons that we might not want to do that,
0: I suppose putting on a mask right about midnight would would be a, a little obvious huh?
1: you know what whatever it takes i think <laughs> um you know it's it's more accepted to wear those masks now but i think sometimes you know when we are going to those new year's eve parties and and i remember going to a new year's eve party in 2020 And looking back on that the next year, well, we didn't have a party the next year. And thinking back, how much has changed socially within that year is that we are, I, I tell people, I really don't encourage people to even do the clinking of the glasses. Because again, we are so much more conscientious about germs than we used to be, that it's like, you know, boundaries have changed and what we're comfortable with has changed. So if you are not a person who's concerned with wearing a mask, you're not a comp- person who's necessarily concerned about germs, think that there are some people who still do have those boundaries and they're not quite as comfortable as they were in January of 2020.
0: Well, it's like in my case, I've never had COVID. I don't want to have COVID. I have no need to have COVID, so don't give me COVID. And so, consequently, I'm not interested in getting. <laughs> Can you give somebody a kiss from five feet away? Yeah, Blow it, them a kiss. It'd be like, oh, here I, you yeah, go. I,
1: yeah, I think, you know, just a air high five is just (laughs) fine if you're not comfortable with that. But I don't think that anymore we have that social pressure to kiss somebody at midnight unless we are living with them or, you know, we are um, accepting that responsibility and that risk. So that has definitely changed. Another thing that is, is if you don't feel well, do not kid yourself into thinking it's just allergies, it's just a cold. If you have a cough, stay home. People do not want to be around you. So that's something else where we used to kind of get by and think, oh, it's just the sniffles, it's just a cold. That that has changed for people as well. If you don't feel well, people are happy for you to stay home.
0: (laughs) More than. (laughs) And I'm happy to go home if you're there. Right. Uh, you, I, you, you know, because it's it, it, nowadays you can quite literally kill somebody. If, if, you are, if you have COVID and somebody has an underlying condition and is older or whatever they are and they get it from you, they could die. Um, and but people are saying COVID's gone away. I don't think it has. It's changed a little bit, but uh, different variants are out there. But I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon.
1: Yeah, and I think regardless of COVID, we're always going to have health concerns that we are more conscientious about now than we were before, and that is probably let's let's take the good out of that situation and that positive out of that situation and use it to keep ourselves healthier whenever whatever we're looking at and facing.
0: Exactly, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if if this um, uh, New Year's that they have a uh, uh, New Year's Eve party via Zoom.
1: And I, isn't that amazing? Because we used to think everything, if it wasn't in person, it didn't count. And now families are able to get together virtually where maybe there was a generation who wasn't comfortable with doing that. But they had to get comfortable doing that to have any you know, social time with people. And so again, it's taken the positive out of that situation. We have the power to be more connected now Than we were before COVID, so we can either lament about how things have changed and how people's views not be your same, not be the same as you, or you can think we now have more power than we have ever had before to be with people.
0: Well, and I'm convinced because I do this all day, every day, and I do this via Zoom or, or Streamyard a lot, and I get the same satisfaction from being from having our interaction. Um, over Zoom ra- rather than necessarily having to be in the same room.
1: Yeah, and I think that we just have to take advantage of that. And I wouldn't have necessarily thought so much about reaching out to people over Zoom or streaming or podcasts, but we were forced to become a little bit more creative. And why let that go just because we're in a different year?
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And and the reality is I, I, I traveled for a living for a period of time and I traveled, you know, I would fly and get in an airplane and fly to California and spend the week there and spend a thousand dollars of the company's money. It was kind of a good time, but and then, and then fly home and stuff. Now, most of that stuff can be done via zoom. The productivity is a lot better because you can get more stuff done. And then only for the important things, is it necessary to get together? Is that, is that proper etiquette or should we, should a sales guy be, flying down and sitting in the lobby and waiting for the guy to come out.
1: I think there's advantages to both. But I think, (laughs) you know, let's take advantage of that time where we can save money, we can save time, we can save effort. And like you say, we can really make those other times special. And so it's like so many things with etiquette is that, um, you know, try to keep from over apologizing to dilute your apologies. Try not to, um, so many things, just make it special and, you know, send a thank you note. Do all of those things that can make somebody feel special. There's so many things at your disposal that um, it's either being in person or it's just having a personalized touch to something that makes it so important.
0: You just touched on something that is, I think, really important. And that is, let me show you here. Um, This is a thank you card I got from um, one of the people that I've interviewed over time. It is sitting here on my desk. Now, I've interviewed a lot of people, and they're not sitting here on my desk because they haven't sent me anything. So it really is an important real thank you for you to do that, isn't it?
1: Yes, and it's so important. And it's the most the a handwritten (coughs) thank you note. When I talk about people being able to maybe decide whether they want to change over the new year or they want to do something different in their life at any time is start sending thank you notes out. A handwritten thank you note is so so powerful and so important.
0: Well, and and this is not typewritten, it is handwritten. It and the first thing that I thought of when I opened this up was, man, this took some thought and some time for her to write this out. I was also impressed that she spelled it correctly and that there weren't any crossings outs of anything. So I don't know if she had to do it a couple of times, but, uh, she. But you know, it it really is, it adds a personal touch, I think.
1: Yeah, and it makes that first impression. So, I mean, you've already had the first impression because you've met with them but then that impression lasts because they've taken the time they've handwritten something to you. And it can be very simple. You know, we're talking three to five sentences, but it's just doing it, getting that stamp on it, putting it in the mail. That's so important.
0: And, and it really leaves. So if you are somebody that is looking for a new job and you are in the interview process, is it appropriate to send the interview or the interviewer a thank you card or a thank you note for uh for interviewing them
1: it is crucial i tell people only send the thank you if you want the job so you know that that is such an important and easy thing to do you can write it as soon as you get done of the interview, get it in the mail within 24, 48 hours. You can also send an email if you're afraid that that decision might be made of who they're going to be hiring before they would get that thank you note. It's fine to send an email that says thank you, but then also follow up with that handwritten thank you. No one ever complains about being thanked too much.
0: That is so true. And the other thing that you can do, and I've done this myself, is to make sure that you are bothersome, not bothersome, but that they're aware of you. Um, I I went to an interview one time and I was sitting across the desk from the uh, general sales manager and he, and uh, he said, "Um, you have no idea how many applications I've got. I said, really? And he, he pointed to a stack that was two feet tall of, of resumes that were on his couch. And he said, these are all the resumes that I've gotten for this job. (laughs) And and then he said, why should I give it to you? And and kind of thing, because he was using it to make a point. But that's, you have to distinguish yourself somehow, don't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's really important to do that 100%.
0: And that may mean just dropping a email that says, hey, just thinking of you and I would love to, would love to come to work for you or even to send them tips of things that they may or articles or, or are are those appropriate things to do as well?
1: Oh, I think any, any point of contact that you can make is really, really important. So take that opportunity and people are hesitant because I think, is that going to be weird if I do that? Well, okay. First of all, think about the appropriateness, maybe bounce that off of somebody else, but you know, taking the time to reach out and do it is really important and it can't, it can't hurt.
0: Now, how about the uh, relationship between the sexes of, of an employer male and an um, a, uh, interviewee pretty young female? Should she be guarded in, in how she addresses that gentleman uh, on the other side of the desk?
1: I think you always want to bring your professional A-game, no matter what. And when I teach business etiquette, I teach that business is gender-free. So regardless of gender, there really should be no acknowledgement in gender in business. But um, real-world talk, there is there is there are some differences there. And so you want to be aware of things. And um, I'm not an HR expert, but I think that typically... Being male, being female should not come up in an interview. Um, I know that. Uh, I wasn't a hiring manager for long enough to know that, but I also know it's just not proper etiquette to bring up gender at work in any situation. It's just too much of a loaded
0: question. I had a, uh, a fellow salesperson, uh, a very pretty blonde, and she had a customer who was a, a executive chef, and we screwed up their order like really badly screwed it up and we were concerned that we were going to lose the customer and she and she said oh no don't worry about it well why and she said well i'm just going to put on my short red dress and sit on his desk and he'll be fine
1: That is not work i mean that should that should not be what what happens at all so i think we are lucky to be in a different time and a different space where we can value people for what they can contribute and their qualities and the things that they can do professionally. And it has nothing to do with their gender or their looks. It has everything to do based on ability.
0: Well, I'm glad to see that the, the the light has come on to some of this gender inequality and, and some of the things they, like the casting couch and some of those things that are going away into the, into the distance because we don't need any of that. No. Um, yeah.
1: We're, we're way past that. And, you know, we're all about having social interactions and making everybody feel valued and cared for and respected.
0: And say that again, cause that bears repeating.
1: Yeah. I think we're all about teaching, you know, the value of people to care for other people and to make other people feel respected. That's really the basis of etiquette.
0: And you and so let's talk about you a little bit, Christy. When did you start doing this? What did you when did you decide that this was really your passion and that you really enjoyed talking about etiquette and helping people, you know, learn how to use, you know, better etiquette to achieve what they want in life?
1: Uh, you, you know it was a it's that typical covid twenty twenty story decided, hey, I want to do something different. I want to change what I'm doing. I want to um, have my second act. I want to do something for myself. And so I made a switch from doing local television news and switched to being able to teach etiquette. So I taught or I learned from the Emily Post Institute and had really just taken that as just,
0: And Christy has uh, has disappeared. Let's see if she she comes back. We have this little circle that's going around in circles and is (coughs) continuing to go around in circles. and it's continuing to go around in circles as we're waiting for i don't know if she can hear me or not nope she's gone well let's hope she comes back here in just a second (laughs) dum ti ti
2: I <laughs> <clears throat>
0: <clears throat> oh, egad. Oh,
2: <clears> Thank <throat> you. Oh. Right. you <laughs>
1: <clears> hmm. <throat> This will not be for lack of trying.
0: <laughs> that is the weirdest dang thing I've ever seen. <clears throat> Never have had that happen. Where my mine was terrible, and then you you, you lost George. What happened? Any idea?
1: We are getting fiber net or fiber optic in our neighborhood,
0: uh-huh.
1: and so, it, and I was trying to get on my phone then, but Streamyard doesn't let you. Use your phone, I guess, because it said I, I don't know. So anyway, I alternate source here. <laughs> Apologize, sorry, and it no, happens at the worst times.
0: Well, you know, I believe I could be wrong. Are you are you into astrology at all?
1: No, I know uh, I'm a Taurus. That's all I know.
0: There's something called um, um, uh, Mercury retrograde. Grade where mercury is supposed to go in. But anyway, the, the people that swear by it say it affects electronic devices.
1: Oh, well, it, we just have, we live in rural, not rural Missouri, we live in a country club neighborhood, but the internet is not great. And so I cannot wait for fiber optic to get here, hoping that it will be better than um, what we have now.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, well, and it will be. Now, what part of Missouri are you in?
1: I live close to Joplin,
0: Missouri. Oh, that's right. That's 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 right. Because uh um Springfield um uh, Springfield, Missouri, that's where one of our plants yes. was. Um, okay, um, yeah. It's because you've got a lot of chicken stuff over there.
1: Well, we can live in a country club neighborhood, so we don't have a lot of that, but it, you don't have to go far <laughs> to get it.
0: <laughs> I, was, I was driving through. One of the reasons why I don't want to live in Missouri, I was drive, driving through with a, another another guy, and, and and I saw a guy come out of his house with his rifle. And it was probably because there was a snake in the, in the, in the grass or something like that, and he had to. Yeah, um, it,
1: it, you can get dicey <clears throat> out here.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> well,
1: The question you had just asked me was, how did I get into it? If you wanted to start where, where that was, that's the last thing I remember hearing.
0: We can, yeah, let's, let's we can go ahead and do that. And then, and then we'll wrap it up. I don't want to keep you okay. for, for a long time, but um, no,
1: whatever you need. Um.
0: So, so um by the way, we're talking with Christy Spencer and go to thepolitecompany.com. And I just, I, as a way of wrapping up, I just, I know that you were in media and I, I worked at a television station. There's a lot of us that haven't done that and haven't been working in a TV station. Describe for us what that's like, what a day was for you to work in a in a, t- a television station.
1: Well, definitely high pressure. And probably um, illustrated every etiquette don't that one could possibly do in, in a high-pressure, deadline-driven um, industry. But you know, I don't. I don't care where you work. You can bring some civility to it, and you can bring kindness to it, and caring for others for sure. So it. It was about telling other people's stories and being able to communicate effectively. We had to make great first impressions because we wanted people to watch us. And so I've I've been able to translate a few of those things. But a a lot of things are very different. So being in television was really rewarding. And then I did it for 23 years. And after that amount of time... You, you might be ready for something new. And it's okay to to change it and do something different. And I wanted to focus all my efforts on doing as positive of work as I possibly could do. And that was my reason for kind of changing and, and doing something different.
0: You know, a lot of us because we have no idea the hierarchy of a newsroom and how it works is that the on-air talent, are they, you know, they're portrayed in the media as being the boss or the one in charge. I tend to believe that that's not necessarily true, is that it's more the producers and the directors?
1: Yes. So uh, my position was news director. And so I hired uh, the reporters, the anchors, the weather people, sports people, and I supervised them and I set the rules. I, you know, did the all that hiring and supervision. And then I oversaw what news we did that day as well. But In many times, anchors are senior people at the station. And so they are also serving as producers. And so many people think that an anchor just shows up. You know, they've seen Anchorman, just shows up, reads something, and then, you know, leaves and has coffee in between shows. We had anchors that were very involved and that had had been at the station for a long time. And so they were an integral part of the station. But everybody has a boss. And so for the newsroom... That was what my position was, is to be the news director. So there was a lot of, um, you know, the famous um, was the Mary Tyler Moore show. And Lou yeah. Grant. And that was, you know, when I would tell people that I was Lou Grant, they would kind of look at me like, this does not compute, you know, here's this little lady. And, you know, this is what she does and how it was um, portrayed on TV. So there was a, a lot to live up to in that position. And um, I was happy to do it while I was doing it. And now I'm happy to to make a change and do something different.
0: I'm you're happier now, especially uh, at you know at, at ten to five or ten to four whenever your news started when when everybody's scurrying around making sure that the makeup's on that the copy's right that that the schedule's working and all that kind of stuff and it stops at your desk.
1: Right, right, and it was it never ended because there was always a next show. And you know we did morning, noon, five, six, nine, and ten o'clock newscasts, and then we would turn around and we would do five a.m. So it was it was just a lot of news to produ- be producing with a small tap staff, and but we all worked really hard and we all took it seriously, and they're still doing a great job at the station.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm reminded of the Mary Tyler Moore Show when when Lou Grant said, "You got spunk." <laughs>
1: Yeah. That That was probably what I had. And um, I became a news director at a a pretty young age. I was 25 years old when I took on that role. And so I was supervising people who were twice as old as I was at that time. And, you know, there was a lot of being uh, afraid of being found out. And I think that we never get over that no matter what role that we're in. And so I feel that now is that Um, just starting something new and and doing something new? Are people going to figure out that I'm just learning along with the rest of them? So I try to be pretty transparent about that. So I have a natural affinity to um, teach etiquette. I um, unknowingly have been doing it my entire life. And so it was kind of a natural thing.
0: Well and you also are highly intelligent and you're and you're very gifted at, at speaking. I'm surprised that you weren't in front of the camera. Did you ever want to do that? Or was that like uh uh-uh, uh I ain't going there?
1: I did not. I was an intern. And I did a little bit on camera and I did some producing work. And of course, you know, we're we're made friends with the anchors. And I went to the grocery store with an anchor one time and she couldn't even get, she couldn't even shop. And I thought the last thing I want to do is not be able to go to the grocery store. And so being behind the scenes for me at that time was the thing to do, which is so funny now because I do do um, quite a few TV spots and I do podcasts. So I would have never thought in a million years that I would be the one in front of the camera after all that time of trying not to be. But I think that I finally found something unique that I have to say.
0: And you're very good at it, by the way. And if well you, thank if you, go you. To... that's
1: a high compliment from you
0: well she whiz thank
1: you <laughs> <laughs> you're you're the professional
0: oh no no i i don't know you know there's one of those things christy that you just don't know uh you think you're doing okay but you're not sure and all you know it's just like your your role as a news director you thought you were doing okay and and everything was fine and then something blows up and and like like today we've had our challenges and and stuff but it's worked out fine it's yeah. worked out fine i would like to for you to tell at to get people who would like to work with you how do they get a hold of you
1: i would love for people to go to my website which is thepolitecompany.com. i'm on instagram it's the polite company christy it's k-r-i-s-t-i i give advice <laughs> every day for people I love to work with businesses to give your employees something that they have not been able to learn in their college degrees or in their experience before. So we're talking about making great first impressions, networking, dealing with difficult conversations uh, with etiquette, and really building relationships in every social and business interaction that we have.
0: I couldn't agree with you more because, you know, even... When you're a sales guy, you're always going to be confronted with a situation that you have no control over, that you are now having to respond to. And I I like the word respond rather than react because you need to respond appropriately to get your point across and also to listen to the person and stuff. It really is an art form. And if you can teach that, that will go a long way to helping your sales department do a much better job at their job.
1: Yeah. Good manners are really good for business and no matter what position that you're in.
0: Exactly. And, you know, I I grew up in the restaurant business, so I tend to think. And when I was when I was a manager that in the restaurant, I think that it's a really good training ground to have to go to a disgruntled table and talk to them about what's been going on with their experience in your restaurant. And it really teaches you how to uh, be appropriate, how to read people, how to try and fix whatever it is and keep them as a customer. And But that's that's an art form uh, to itself. So I think everybody could benefit from that. But if they can't do that, they should call you.
1: Absolutely. And um, there's a lot of resources out there for people. And so I encourage people, stretch yourself a little bit and learn something new. And like you said, it's not about reacting it is about responding just like you said and we got to think we have options and so we don't always have to assume the other person is the bad guy and that we need to either be on defense or offense there is a way that we can get through these dilemmas and actually build those relationships even through difficult times or Difficult um, technology that we've encountered today. Um, there's always a chance to empathize and treat people right.
0: The funniest story that I that I can remember in my days as a restaurant manager was uh, I we I ran a Mexican restaurant, and they t- used to take tortillas and they would deep fry them right there at the restaurant. They were really good, but they also deep fried rice in the same vat. At the same restaurant, and then they would take the the uh, chips and they would put them in great big bins. The bins would go out to the bus station. the The bus boy would take the um, take a basket and put chips in it and take it to a table. And I got called to a table one day because some of the some of the rice that was in the deep fat fryer had gotten onto the chip, and it looked like a little mouse turd.
1: You're you're. I don't know if I'm going to be at dinner tonight. I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> and so I got called to the table, and they and they uh, just pushed the. They didn't want to look at it, but they pushed the 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 basket towards me and said, "We think you've got a mouse problem." And I I could not for the life of me convince them. It's rice. It's just burnt rice in the bottom of the thing, but. Um, but that's that's when you learn to have poise and be able to think on your feet. And all yeah, of and
1: that. and just and, and make it right. And you might not ever be able to change somebody's mind, but you can always listen. And, you know, um, being in the television business, we had no shortage of people who would call and upset viewers or people who had problems. And my game was that I had know that those people had rough days because no one calls a TV station for help on their best day. You've you've exhausted all of your resources by the time you get to that. And so the game that I played is that I was going to be the best interaction that that person had had with another human being today. And that was my goal even though I couldn't fix the problem, sometimes I couldn't help them at all. When people leave saying, thank you for listening to me, you've done a good job.
0: And sometimes that's all you can do.
1: Absolutely. And just recognizing the humanity of somebody is so important. And you would think that we would be so good at communicating today when we have all of... The slack and the email and texting and you know all of these things and we're probably as bad as we ever have been
2: I can at, agree at that.
1: So there is room for improvement. There are room. Uh, there is room to to learn a lot, and I am living proof of that because I I love learning and I've loved learning about etiquette and. I love still helping people tell their story in a positive and beneficial way for
0: everybody. And I will tell you that if if being in the business that you were in for a long time and what you're doing now, if you can leave somebody better than you found them, that's all you can ask. That really is. Yeah. It's very rewarding. It's very rewarding. Because I imagine that when you were at the TV station, you got people calling in, just because they were home alone and they had nobody else to talk to. So and they were in a bad mood, so they might as well call and complain to you.
1: Yes, and and it, it did happen, but just to have compassion and listen to people and come from a place of really trying to understand and help them was kind of what gets you through when you are constantly having to deliver bad news to people.
0: You are, um, one of the, one of the people I work with is a funeral director. I don't know if you've ever done that, but that, I can't imagine how difficult that job would be on a day in day out basis, but being a news director is close. I gotta say.
1: (laughs) It was, it, it, it was, it was tough, but, um, it was rewarding because we did try to represent our community as a whole, and I was not a big believer in if it bleeds, it leads, and always showing the bad of a community. In fact, I would I would do an analysis and say, how many times have we done a court story in this town, and how many times have we done a story about a high school athlete? And let's be representative of what it really feels like to live in that community and not exacerbate the stereotypes that people have of each other or um, the problems that a community has. Let's be balanced.
0: You know, and, and I've got to reward you again, because you live outside of Joplin, Missouri, and you were there when that, uh, what was it? A category uh, five tornado came through and, and you were in the newsroom and you guys did what you had to do which was spend hours upon hours upon hours being on the air making sure that the people have the information they needed and where they could go get help and and that sort of thing and so i applaud you for that 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 had to be a really really difficult day
1: it was a, it was difficult weeks and we had numerous people in our newsroom who lost their homes and Still needed to report to work. About a quarter of our newsroom no longer had a home to go to, at that point in time, and so we were all working our tails off. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever if you've ever been in a newsroom where that scanner is blaring 24/7 and you're listening to the communications. um, It was absolute chaos. We had no communication with our reporters or anyone else. Um, It was a a really amazing education, which I kind of looked as COVID as the same thing, is that we're going to come out of this so much smarter and so much better for it. But in the moment, it was really tough because the longer that you're in a newsroom, the less you become an outsider reporting on things and the more it becomes your community and your family who was affected and people, you know that you lost and you had to just keep, keep on going. Um, the the call that I remember the most was a scanner. Um, they said we have run out of body bags yeah. and it was just like living. <clears throat> it was an out of body experience because you thought, I never thought in this little bitty newsroom that we would be dealing with, at that time, the most deadly tornado that the United States had ever seen. And it, it was an education. And it really did help us to empathize with other people because we were no longer outsiders looking in. We had people who were directly affected. And, you know, we were simultaneously checking on our people, checking on people that were being in our group that were transporting to hospitals, trying to communicate with their families and report the news at the same time. And so anybody who does that in any local or national setting has my utmost respect. And um, it was it was definitely a time where we bonded as a community and as a newsroom and as a team. And it was really, it's an amazing thing to look back on.
0: I think you should write a book about that.
1: <laughs> I wish I would have taken notes, but um, you know, you you had the event and then you had the aftermath of it. And then it, you turn around and then the president's coming to town and you think, holy cow, the last thing we need is a presidential visit. <laughs> I haven't been home in 13 days. And so it, um, it's just interesting. And it gives you such an insight to when things happen in other places, whether it is a war or, you know, another natural disaster is it makes you think beyond that headline and that 24 hour news cycle and that adrenaline pumping is you're thinking about the journalists who are having to report that news because that's a tough job. And you're thinking about, you know, the real people that have been affected.
0: Well, you know, the interesting thing is people don't think about this, that the the anchors that were there, um, if they lost their house or one of the reporters, they don't have a change of clothes. They don't. They don't have a place to shower. They, they. You have to find them a hotel, but that's probably full, and and stuff. And they're then because of their house being gone, their neighborhood was affected greatly, and they may have lost people, their next door neighbor or friends, and that yet they still had the. Uh, they still had to go to work to yeah, we would, a, we depend upon them
1: we would we would take clothes that they were able to salvage and we would power wash them in the car garage to get the insulation out of them it, so they could still i mean they, you know i mean you just don't think about the lengths that people went to to keep doing their job and we had people who were injured of course and we had uh, people didn't have cars because their car was parked outside of their apartment building. And, you know, it was not, it was not just damaged. It was like, it was like an explosion is what it looked like, not just wind damage. And so um, you know, and we had a hospital that was off of its foundation. And so we had people in life support. Um, it, it was, it was, it really, it, if I, like I said, if I'd have been taking notes, it would be an, an amazing story to tell.
0: Think about that. A hospital was off, got knocked off its foundation. That, that, and they, they're built for that um, in many cases. So I, I I applaud you, and uh, I think you're, I notes be darned. Uh, go write the book anyway. <laughs> okay. Just remember.
1: Yeah, I, I, talking about it does bring does bring it a, a lot back. But hopefully, we can kind of look back on it, um, and and just be grateful for what we took from it.
0: In indeed, and that's that's the one thing that we all need to look at life that way: is is be grateful, and that we woke up this morning. Absolutely there's somebody in this world who did not wake up this morning and uh, their family's affected. It's like, it's like, I have a good friend that, uh, on, on Christmas and a lot of people pass during Christmas time. And, um, she got into an accident because she had a medical emergency and passed away. She was like 50 and, uh, that happened the day before Christmas and it just affects us all. Um, yeah. and so take care of each other and be kind to one another. So, yes. Christy, thank you so much for doing this. It's been a it's been a journey.
1: <laughs> but, been, but we made it,
0: but we did. And before we go, is there anything that you would like to add? Anything that you would like to tell our audience?
1: I think I would love for you to visit me. I would love for you to decide to level up your etiquette skills and really understand that it is not about learning a bunch of rules. It's about taking every opportunity we can to respect, um, be considerate and be kind to other people.
0: That's my motto. That's my mantra. Be kind to one another because each other's all we've got. And, uh, Christy Spencer, thank you so much. Go to the polite find out all about her and work with her. And if you're, uh, if you're the head of a company, if you're a uh, head of, uh, HR, I, I'm telling you, I was a sales guy and a sales manager for a long time you want your salespeople to understand and to have the um, the uh, intestinal fortitude and also the grace to handle difficult situations you need to learn how to do it can't nobody just does it by the by osmosis it takes a lot of work and Christy can help you with that so thank you my dear i really appreciate you and you and you know what you're going to come back because we're going to have a really clean show next time
1: (laughs) i cannot wait i will be there for it and do my part
0: (laughs) thank you so much and it's it's like gum it's time for you to go have dinner now and i want to thank you for taking the time
1: (laughs) thank you kevin
0: if you wear it there i'll be right back because